don't know, whenever I see weather like this, it always makes me kind of laugh uh, living in this area. Because, uh, I don't know, I see like Facebook posts and whatever, like, oh my gosh, this rain is so bad and blah, blah, blah. It's like um, a couple of years ago, I was in, when I was living in Indiana, I visited my friend at uh, Indiana University. And uh, there was uh, like, there was a huge flash flood. Like, this is like something I've never seen before. Like, I've seen, like, when you drive here, it looks pretty bad, but like, you've never, most of you probably have never been in torrential downpours where you could barely see in front of your car, like the next car in front of you. But that's, there, was, there was that kind of rain. It was like raining so hard. And there were these flash floods, like, because Indiana's kind of hilly. It's not like mountainous like here, but it's hilly. And I was driving down the bottom of this gorge, and all of a sudden, all this water rushed in, and it was probably about this high. And, and my car stalled a couple times. I thought I was going to get stuck, and like, my car would just be ruined. And, and, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh. And then I, it was like this little hill driveway, and I barely got up it after restarting my car a couple times. And, um, that was the year, if you remember, that the Midwest was like it was de declared a national disaster area because the whole place was flooded. I couldn't even drive home that night, uh, which was two hours up north for me, because all the roads were closed and they were t completely flooded. Uh, and it was like so bad. So this is like, why are you driving so slow? Come on, <laughs> I gotta get to church. It's like, why are you closing this parking lot? Cars can park there. Uh, but um, but that's the way it was back then. Um, why don't we uh, open to Matthew chapter 2, if you're not there yet, and uh, we'll read a little bit. And, uh, should have said that before I started my story. That way you'd have all been there. But Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 12, and we'll look more specifically uh, at the latter verses. Matthew chapter 2. Okay, and this is what it says. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, uh, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Uh, they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Uh, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, uh, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on, their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was. Uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh, uh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray one more time. Um, God, as we just go into your word and as we uh, look at what you have done, um, uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing your love for us, uh, the grace that you show us. Uh, God, in, in all of creation, we're so insignificant, but 
Uh, for some reason, you make us significant. And uh, God, we thank you for your son. Uh, as we learn about him um, in this story, we pray, open our eyes and our minds, uh, transform our hearts, and show us um, how you desire for us to live uh, in light of all these events. Uh, so please uh, be with us all and uh, just minister to us. Uh, and uh, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, this time of year is is always kind of crazy to me. Um, it's um, when when I look and I walk around and you know drive around the stores and stuff. It's like the commercialization of, of Christmas is just insane. It's like every year it seems to get earlier and earlier. It's like like now it's like around Halloween you start seeing like Christmas trees and glitter go up in the shopping malls, right? And it's like. It's, it's October. It's like, it's not even close. Like, what, what in the world is going on? Uh, but, um, it, it, that's not to say, like, you know, I, I hate it all. It's like, th- it's a wonderful season, you know, to give gifts, to share, uh, like, you know, um, family time together, all these different things that are happening. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, but, um, as, as I was kind of preparing this message and thinking about what to talk about, um, I sort of thought about the aspects of gifts. And, uh, you know, what are gifts and what are they? And, and, and I'm sure probably not many of us have thought about it, but, you know, I'm the kind of person when I think about something like that, it's like kind of like that thread on your clothes that, you know, if you, you find it and you, ha- you have to pull it. How many of you guys are those kinds? And you pull it and then it kind of like gets longer and longer and you know you're ruining your clothes, but you just have to find out, all right, what happens when it ends. Okay, so uh, this is the kind of journey I was going on when I was looking at gifts and what they are. Because when you think about what a gift actually is, it's really a pretty amazing thing. It's, it's really an amazing thing. Um, when you give a gift, right, have you ever thought about, look, what are you actually trying to do when you give someone a gift? Right, so like, if I were to give someone a gift, like, uh, you go through the process of thinking about like, what you're going to give that person. And in that process, like, Essentially, it doesn't matter like who you are, whether you're, even if you're like a stranger or it's a business relationship, or whatever the case might be. It's like when you give someone a gift, essentially in that moment, you're trying to like complete part of that person, right? You're trying to fulfill sort of part of who that person is. You know, so if I were to give a gift to my wife, you know, I got to think about who she is, what she's all about, what she likes, what she doesn't like. And I'm not searching just for any random thing, but something that will make her smile and be like, oh, I always wanted this. Okay, and and uh, uh, if it, even if it's like a business part, you know, business person or someone you work with, and they're not like this close personal friend, you, if you have to give them a gift, you still look for something that you know you get them a box of chocolate or something. It's like this will make them happy at least, and and it's a small portion of you know something that fills them a little bit. Okay, and this is something that's only done at like a higher order of thinking, right? This is not something that animals do. Okay, maybe. Animals give each other bananas and nuts and something, but, but they don't do it the same way humans do. Right? They don't do it the same way humans do. They don't um, you know, walk around the mall for hours going in store to store, looking at this different clothes and saying, like, will this fit or will this look good on them? And, and no, and then they go to the next store and, like, will this fit? Will this look good on them? What do you think about this? And, and, and it just goes on and on. They don't spend time on the Internet looking review after review after review and, like, you know, searching for the perfect gift for this person. They don't spend time um, asking their friends, what do you think, you know, Bob would like for Christmas or his birthday? What do you think, you know, 
uh, Jenny would like for their birthday or Christmas. What do you think? What kind of person are they? What are their hobbies? What do they like to do? And they don't go ever over every aspect of their lives thinking about what do they do? What do they like? What do they have? What do they not have? What do you, I think will fulfill them in a certain way? Okay, so when you think about gifting, it's really this deep process that's going on. Okay, it's really this deep process going on. And, and um, you know, in gift giving, right, it, it's often, as you know, I was just talking about, it's very confusing. It's often very difficult. And uh, there's a lot of unwritten rules and like secrets to how we're supposed to do it. It's not just this like plain and simple, you know, to give a gift, follow steps A, B, and C, right? There's a, there's a lot of like unwritten rules. Like if you're uh, the giver, um, you know, there's like, there's silly stuff like, you're not allowed to put price tags on the gift. If you leave a price tag on the gift, it's like a huge mistake, right? Have you ever done that before? Like you, and you, the person opens a gift you gave and you left the price tag on there and you're just like all embarrassed, right? Um, there's, there's other silly things. Um, you know, if you give a gift to like a group of people, like, uh, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about like, you know, for, for this Christmas, I'm going to buy stuff for my small group. You got to think, you know, the unwritten rule is all the gifts have to be of like relatively equal value, right? If, if, if they're not of equal value, then, then you've made a colossal mistake, right? You're going to sow like, you know, seeds of feudalism. People are going to fight. Like, why did they get me this? And it's better than yours. And, you know, it's got to be even, right? Esther came back from Germany recently and and she bought these gifts for different random groups of people, and, and they're all the same, right? They're all even value, except for mine. Mine was more expensive, okay? And, but that's okay, because I'm her husband, right? So, uh, but, but we have to do that. Um, uh, there's, there's unwritten rules of, you know, the, the amount of time or the amount of thought that you have to put into a gift depending on how close you are to the person, right? The closer you are, the more time you should put into it or, or spend doing it. Um, uh, and and uh, um, you're not allowed to, like, if you are close to someone, right, really close, um, you're not allowed to just give them cash or gift cards, right? Those are always last resorts. Like, when you can't figure out anything else in the world to give them, you shopped everywhere, you're like, let's just get them a gift card. They like sports. We'll get it from Sports Authority, right? And, like, that, that's like, but that's like a failed attempt at a gift, right? And when the person receives it, they know that's a failed attempt. But, they, uh, but the rules for the gift, for the receiver is no matter what you get, you have to pretend like you're thankful, right? And we learn that from an early age, like when we're little kids and our grandparents give us socks or something and your parents tell you you have to be thankful, say thank you, and you're like, okay, thank you, right? But no matter what, um, uh, another unwritten rule for receiving is uh, you're not allowed to re-gift the gift that you got, right? And if you do it, you better not get caught. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, it's it's funny because um, uh, we're we're always getting uh, gifts from my my uh, mother and father-in-law, and, and my father-in-law gets gifts from everywhere because he's like this important person in Korea. But we all like I, whenever I get a gift from them, I always like turn it over and check the logo at the bottom and look for some corporate name because it's always like some regifted item that they got. But it's okay because uh, I don't know. It's it's just the way it is. <laughs> when it's the parents, you know, when it's the parents, you can't say anything. But, but you're not supposed to re-gift, right? If you get caught re-gifting, that's a, that's a big no-no. Um, but um, uh, the, the one idea or the one unwritten rule that I want to look at um, is uh, this idea of reciprocal gifting. Okay, reciprocal gifting. And what that says is, um, you know, that, that's when, you know, 
someone gives you a gift and then you have to you have to equally give the other person another gift back. Right? You can't you can't just receive something without giving something back. Um, so uh, the idea behind reciprocal gifting is uh, the idea that you have to make it even, or you have to pay it back. Right? How many of you guys are, are like make even pay it backers? My mom was totally like this. My mom was the biggest paybacker ever. Like every time she got a gift, there'd be a box of pears going out like the same day. Right? It's like faster than Amazon. So, <laughs> uh, so it was amazing. So. Uh, but but a lot of us have that weight. Like you know, it's like um, we've either given a gift and then we've seen the other person like like crumbling under the weight of not having a gift for you, right? And you're like, oh my gosh! It's like I just received something from someone and I don't have anything and I feel terrible, right? And uh, there's the other side where um, you know you get a gift and some of us feel like that yeah crumbling pressure. Like I haven't gotten anything for this person. What are we gonna do? Right? I, I pulled that when I was at Purdue. Um, I did. I gave a gift to our pastor there, the Korean pastor, and they didn't have anything for me. And, and then someone was like freaking out, trying to pull. She regifted me so much stuff that day because they were getting lots of gifts. I know it was a regift, but um, <laughs> it was funny. It was funny because because that need is there. Okay, um, uh, reciprocity. Okay, when we're talking about this word, it says the gift should be paid back as quickly as possible and with equal value. All right, in general, in general, that's what it says. Um, and uh, when you talk about reciprocity, um, it, is, it is really a very powerful uh, subconscious trigger. Okay? Um, and this is, you got to think about this, right? This, if nothing else, it'll add to your gift-giving strategy this, this holiday season, okay? Uh, but hopefully you'll get more than that. But, um, but with reciprocity, okay, it's, it's a very powerful subconscious trigger, and, and it's very much ingrained in us because of our culture, uh, because of probably every culture in the world, it's probably deeply ingrained in them, uh, just because of the way we live. Um, uh, there, and, and there's a lot of ways to, to talk about this. Um, one, one way is uh, I was looking at a Cornell study. Okay, and uh, they did a study where they took two individuals and what their jobs were were to sell raffle tickets. Okay, so they placed these two individuals in these companies, and one of the individuals was... Uh, supposed to act nicely to people, and, and they're supposed to be friendly, and you know, try to make friends with everyone. And then, um, you know, then he would sell tickets. Right? The other guy they placed in the company, he was supposed to be act rude to people, and uh, ju- you know, just be kind of mean, and not really build relationships at all. Okay, but uh, before he sold tickets, all right, during lunch, he bought everyone a can of soda. Okay, so who do you think sold more tickets? Okay, the mean person. Even though he was mean, because he bought everyone a Coke before he sold him the raffle tickets, they said he sold twice as many raffle tickets as a person that was kind and nice and friendly. Okay? And all because of this trigger that's ingrained in our head that says, this person gave me something, and I have a need that I must pay this person back in some way. Okay? Um, uh, there's, there's another story I read out of... Um, uh, they said it was from some textbook, some like human behavior textbook. So I assume it's true. But they're talking about some world war where um, you know they they had one soldier where uh, his special mission was he'd be sent over enemy lines and his job was to capture and interrogate other you know the enemy. So they sent him over enemy lines and he happened to sneak up on you know this you know the enemy and uh, as he snuck up on him um, he surprised him and he found that the other guy that he snuck up on was actually eating lunch, right? And and as this guy was eating his sandwich. He broke it in half and gave it to the other to the enemy, to the guy that captured him, right? And the guy took the sandwich 
And because of this trigger in his head, he let him go. Okay? Because right, of this reciprocity. This guy gave me something. I can't capture him and torture him anymore. And so he had to let him go. Okay, there's uh, other instances, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe more familiar to some of us. Um, you know, they talk about, like, sales strategy, st- strategies. I'm so terrible at saying that word. But uh, th- there's different sales ways to sell stuff, okay? And uh, they talk about, you know, like, for car salesmen, um, you know, they... A guy goes into a room, they're making this deal, and it's not going that well, but they're getting kind of close. And, uh, you know, so the car salesman's trained to, like, you know, um, they always go back, and if you've ever bought a car, they're supposed to give you, like, you know, go to the manager and get a better deal and come back, right? So, but before he goes to the manager, he asks the people that are, you know, he's negotiating with, you know, do you want, you know, I'm about to go get a drink from the machine, do you want anything? And, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure. So he goes and gets them a drink, and then, you know, they, he comes back with a better price. It's not exactly what they want, but he signs the deal anyways, okay? And it's the same kind of thing. He, you know, he drives away in the new car, and somewhere deep in the back of his mind, he's like, did I sign that because he bought me a Coke, you know? So um, there's different ways in which this works, but uh, if, you, if, if, you know, when you think about it, it, it really is an issue or something that's deeply ingrained in us right, that affects the way we live and, and we operate in, with different people, Okay. Uh, so the reason I'm bringing this up and what we're going to talk about is um, because this issue is so ingrained in us, okay, um, oftentimes we also let this guide us in our relationship with how we respond to God and the gift that God has given us as well. Okay, so uh, let's look at our story and we'll come back to this idea. Okay, um, but let's look at this passage. And I want to kind of survey this passage and kind of like put our feet in this world because um, this story that we just read is so common, and uh, so, you know, we see it every year, and we see the nativity scenes, and we see all this stuff. So sometimes we just, like, look at this story, and we just kind of gloss over it. And uh, But there's a lot going on here. Okay, so uh, I want to look at verse 10 and 11, right, specifically, verse 10 and 11. And let me read verse 10. It said, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Okay, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Okay, and uh, they, in this passage, obviously, are um, the, the, the wise men, right, as the ESV says. Okay, how about a uh, trivia question? How many wise men were there? Three? Okay, everyone says three, but the Bible doesn't actually tell us how many there were. Okay, it's often just assumed that there are three because there were three gifts, but there's no specific number. Okay, so uh, bring that to your next family gathering. Okay, maybe you can win some money or something. Uh, but, but no one knows how many, we'll just say three for the, you know, for the sake of, that's because that's the tradition. Uh, but, but, you know, who were these people? Okay, um, in, in different translations or different thoughts, they think of them different ways. Uh, you know, in, in the ESV translation, they call them wise men. Um, you know, from the, the famous song, you know, we three kings of Orient. You know, some people look at them as kings, all right? And, uh, uh, you know, other, you know, Translations will call them magi because, uh, you know, it's similar to the Greek word that they use there. Uh, but regardless of who they were, okay, what we know about them is they were very powerful people, okay? Uh, we, I know this because when you look at the passages before this, uh, they had audience with King Herod, okay? And normal people can't just go in front of the king and start talking with them, right? It's like when these guys travel, you know, they can talk to the top people in the area. So obviously they have some influence or, or pull uh, no matter who they are, whether they're just wise men or whether they're kings, uh, they have some pull. Okay, um, 
when when the, when they see the star, okay, and they're searching and they're just following the star. Who knows? You know, there's not a lot of detail here, but uh, all we know is is uh, what it says. When they saw the star and, and the, you know the thing they're following, uh, it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Okay, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And you know, again, this is one of those verses you could run over very easily, but when you look at it, you know, those are four very big words that we're looking at. Okay. Um, when you think about those words, it's, it's not just something that the interpreter, the ESV interpreter, just kind of threw in there. Like the Greek says, you know, they were happy, and then like the ESV translated it as they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Okay, when you actually look at the Greek, I'm not very good at Greek. This is the limit. I just, I just know that those four words are there. Okay, that's, that's all. But that's all you need to know. Right? That's all you need to know. In the Greek, it, it, the, the word order is kind of like they rejoiced, joy, exceedingly great. All right, those four words right in a row. Okay, so no matter what language you're, you're talking in, right, those are four gigantic words of joy that these guys are experiencing. Okay, and, and um, you know, whenever I run across something like this, you know, I always think to myself, you know, like, when is the last time I've experienced a combination of those four words where if I were to tell a story, you know, I, I could say, you know, I rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And, and uh, for me, I was thinking about, like, when's the last time I either experienced that or saw that? Okay, and the last time I think I saw that was this summer. Okay, this summer, um, uh, as many of you guys know, okay, maybe not many of you, but you, all right, uh, Google had this concert, right? <laughs> okay, and if you don't know what it was, like, Google, Wade, they brought in a bunch of K-pop bands overseas to Shoreline Amphitheater, and there was like, you know, they gave away free tickets, and they were, and, and uh, you know, for fun, I was just trying to get tickets because I was bored, and, and I happened to get four tickets, and people were, you know, I was going to try to sell them, but it, it didn't work out well like that, but so Esther and I just went, uh, some of the EM went, most of the youth group I saw there somewhere, all right, but, um, but you know, like, they, they'd announce a band, all right, like, you know, like, Curls generation, right? And then the whole crowd would be like, Aah! right? And somewhere in there, I hear Chris Peck's voice. <laughs> okay, it was it was just bizarre. Okay, and it's it's rare where you actually experience that, right? Um, and it's it's it was crazy. Like I'd see like um, you know every every you know you know gender color. Like there's, you know, white people, Korean people, different brands of Asian people, and and they were just like, <gasps> and they were like so happy. Their eyes were huge, and they were screaming at the top of their lungs, and and there was like this exceedingly great joy that was being expressed at these Korean bands that were playing in front of them. Okay, even though if you're sitting in the grass, you can't even see them. All right, but they were still happy. Uh, just to be able to hear them and know that they were close. Okay, uh, this is not to say that the three wise men were like teenage girls. All right, but this is just to express, um, you know, maybe or just to have you feel a little bit of what they're feeling. Like this is this is something amazing that was happening in their lives, right? Just before them. Okay, so uh, they were searching and they were following for something that was exceedingly great. Right, something that. Uh, you know, even beyond Google Wave, right? Beyond this concert, uh, this amazing thing. Okay, verse eleven. All right, 
the star stopped over the house, and going into the house, they saw the, ti- uh, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Uh, then, opening their treasures, uh, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, um, so again, uh, when we look at this passage, okay, um, these wise men uh, were unexpected guests. Okay, they were they were most likely unexpected guests, right? It wasn't like Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus were waiting for these people to arrive, preparing food. Okay, they were very much surprised. And uh, when you think about this group, okay, we always think about three wise men, you know, in the picture and the nativity scenes are always these men traveling alone. But um, you got to realize it's not just like three guys that hopped into a car or traveled across the country and and you know you know stopped parked and jumped out of the car, rang the doorbell. Right. These are, you know, this is in the time of old. These are three powerful men, regardless of who they are. Uh, you know, if you, again, if you have audience with the king, you, you're going to travel with the caravan, right? Because these were important people. They need to be protected from thieves, villains, whatever. You know, and this, in my imagination, this is, I'm assuming this, but it, in my mind, it makes good sense that these people wouldn't be traveling alone. Okay. They'd probably be traveling with many people. Um, so when they arrived, okay, it wasn't just three guys knocking on the door. It was probably like a whole, you know, band of people, uh, soldiers and all, uh, uh, meeting Mary and Joseph. Okay, and this whole group of people, this whole assembly of people, right, it could have been, you know, larger than this room, right, all bowed down before Jesus, okay, and um, you know, you got to just take yourself into the scene and imagine if you were like Mary or Joseph, like, what would this be like? This, you know, obviously it's already like the craziest thing in the world that's happening. You're having visions and meetings with angels and shepherds are coming and, and greeting you as Jesus was born. And, but then, you know, those are just shepherds. They're poor people. But now these important people are coming to meet you and they're also bowing down. And this is just the craziest thing. Okay? Um, it, it, even if I were to bow down before Joseph, like, look, he's already uncomfortable. I haven't even done anything yet. Okay? And that's, that's the kind of thing that's going on here. It's like, I'll stop. See, he's already shying away. He's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, but imagine if, um, you know, the presidents and, and senators and congressmen all came before your door. They knocked on your door, and, you know, something was going on in your house, and they all bowed before a baby that you had. Right? This is a very intense thing that's going on here. Okay, um, it says, uh, you know, they fell down and worshipped. It must have been the strangest thing they've ever seen. Um, uh, and uh, they offered gifts, right? And um, uh, these gifts also must have been exceedingly unexpected, right? Um, and these gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? And, and uh, just for your own knowledge, uh, there's kind of two theories of why they give these gifts. Uh, one theory is just... Um, that three gifts were ordinary gifts that you give to any king. So they you know, prepared in advance from whatever vision they had or whatever, uh, whatever way they learned about this star happening. So they prepared these gifts, and they just happened to give them these three different things because they were uh, all three things that are very, val- are very valuable at the time. Or uh, some people uh, like to put symbolic value to them, and they say um, gold represents is a symbol of kingship, right? that Jesus would be king. Frankincense is... Um, a, 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 so it's like an incense, so it's a symbol of deity. You know, you, you burn incense to God. Um, and myrrh, um, myrrh and frankincense kind of both go with this, but myrrh is an embalming oil, so it's a symbol of death. Okay, so, um, you know, whichever one you believe, uh, in either case, uh, for our message sake today, um, you know, they gave them these treasures, 
Okay, so um, uh, when we stop here, okay, I mean, if you just think about that story alone, it's like you think about you know those 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 twelve verses. Right, already those twelve verses have changed the entire planet, right? <laughs> like in a way that is just economically incredible. Okay, just those twelve verses. But um, but at this point, um, I want to look at the magi. Okay, and and these gifts. Um, you know, they could have been given in many different ways with many different attitudes, but I want to look at um, two ways um, or two, yeah, two ways that these gifts could have been given by these wise men. Okay. Uh, one is, in a way, just like we talked about earlier, in reciprocity. Okay. They see this, uh, this baby, okay, and even though it's just a baby, they feel like, you know, maybe they felt like they received something so great. It's like, wow, this is so amazing. It's like I need to now. I need to pay this back somehow. What do we have? Okay, I'm going to pay this back with these gifts, these valuable gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh, these expensive items. I'm going to give these, and maybe it'll you know sort of balance off what I just saw. Okay, which um, which again may represent us. Okay, uh, or two, um, you know they can give this these gifts in response to an enriched relationship. Okay, because of the deep connection they felt with Jesus, right? Um, because of that deeper relationship that they have, they give these gifts, right? Um, and and um, um, let me explain this a little bit better because it seems like maybe those are very subtle differences. Let me try to clarify what I'm talking about there. Okay, so what I'm talking about is, is reciprocity versus um, out of an enriched relationship. Okay. Um, um, when I, was at, when I was at Purdue University, um, I was working with uh, a group of college kids there. And uh, when I first got there, I met one guy, and he was, uh, uh, he was a praise leader. He was a very good praise leader, um, way better than I was or I ever would be, will be. But he was very good, okay? And uh, um, he had kind of like a cheap, or he had, a, he had like a cheap guitar, right? Um, and uh, so he played that, and it was a guitar he brought, you know, traveled with. He went to missions in Mexico, um, and uh, and it got all warped and distorted. So you know, I saw this guy, and, and um, you know, one of the things I recognized about him is uh, um, when I looked at him is I, I realized, and, and I know I don't know if you've ever met someone like this. You meet someone and you get to know them, and you realize how deeply they love Jesus. Okay, and this is a guy that I looked at. And I knew he was going to minister. He, he is on his way to becoming a pastor. Um, and, uh, like, and I knew like, when I saw him, this guy definitely loves Jesus way more than I do. Like, this is a special guy. Right? So, uh, so I saw this in him, and, and I was like, um, you, know, I, you know, I knew the future. So, um, so uh, one of the gifts that I wanted to give him was, um, you know, you see me playing up here, and I play with my guitar. Right? And, and uh, if some of you guys know about guitar, some of you guys don't. Um, that's a, the guitar I play with is a Taylor 310 CE, um, which way back in the day when I bought it was um, I don't know, maybe 1,300 or something like that. that uh, now, if you buy it now, it's like 1,600 or more. Um, you know, the case alone for that guitar retails at like $300. So it's, the case alone is more expensive than most guitars you see people walking around with. So, um, so uh, you know, after I got to know him well, a gift I wanted to give him was I wanted to give him my guitar because I saw like so much future for this guy and like you know the things he would do and I would love for him to be able to travel and, and praise God and worship God lead other people in worship with a, a very good instrument okay because I felt like you know he'd, he'd be able to play better and, and 
can give God better music than I would anyway. So, um, so I offered him this guitar. Okay. Um, the problem was, okay, as a, you know, he was just, you know, like he has that doe-eyed look. If you've ever given a gift to someone that's very valuable, they have like that big doe-eyed look, and they're like, oh, right? And, um, and, and over time, he, he could never receive the gift, right? and he never received it. Like the reality is he never received it. He just, he kind of had it, and then he tried to say, I'm just going to give it to the church, right, which is a regrift, right, error, no, no, okay. <laughs> he tried to regift it to the church and, like, say, you know, because of, um, you know, in my, you know, the, the reality of it is it's, it's reciprocity in him, okay. That's the, the deep-seated feeling of, you know, if I receive this, I can't ever repay this. This is too much of a gift for me to receive, especially as a college student, you know, a college student, you know, you know, thousand two thousand dollars is a lot of money even for us it's a lot of money but you know for a college kid it's like wow you know how can i accept this you know i can't and so so he never accepted this gift which made me feel bad right because you know you try to give a gift and the person just rejects it right it kind of got it kind of got spun around in this crazy loop like so it was to him and then he gave it to the church and i'm not allowed to say anything because when i give a gift you know the unwritten rule is it's his he can do whatever he wants with it so if he wants to re-gift it he's allowed to so then he gives it to the church and then the church you know before i leave sort of gives it back to me and i sort of end up with it and i walk back over here and now i'm leading praise so maybe god had a plan okay but uh <laughs> okay but uh but but um there's two sides here okay one side is this fight of reciprocity um, you know, he, he cannot accept this because it's just difficult for him. Uh, there's all this weight that goes on. Uh, and then the other side is me. Right? I'm trying to give this gift, and I want him to understand, I see you as such a special person. You know, I really care about you, and in certain ways, I love you. Um, and, uh, you know, you're just, you know, I want you to know this about a relationship. Like, and, and in my mind, why can't you just accept this gift? And let it just be what it is. It doesn't matter if you can pay me back. It doesn't matter if you can understand it completely. But can't you just take it? Like, why do you have to fight? Okay? And, and those are the, that's the two sides that I'm talking about here. Okay? Uh, in a perfect world, and in a perfect world, you know, I could give a gift to someone like that. And, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with all the red tape of, you know, all these worries about all this stuff happening, right? And, and, and we could just allow it to enrich the relationship, and, and we could just be better friends, right, and, and uh, et cetera, okay? Uh, and, um, and, and where I'm going with this is, um, you know, this is a misunderstanding of Christians and non-Christians alike. Okay. Uh, the Christians, you know, uh, when, when we look at Jesus and what he's done, you know, because of this ingrained thing, this trigger in our minds, you know, immediately we, we have to jump and start doing something. It's like, because, you know, Christ died for me, I got to start doing stuff. Okay. Uh, Non-Christians, when they look from the outside, they're like, man, if I become a Christian, I got to start following all these rules and I don't want to do that. Okay? And all they're looking at is, uh, you know, both sides are feeling this weight of reciprocity where Jesus is not offering that kind of gift. Right? When we understand what Jesus is doing when he's coming, it's, it's, he's not coming to blackmail us into good works. Right? He's not coming so, you know, I did something good for you, now you better do something good for me, and if you're not doing something good for me, you're not a very good Christian. Right? I'm not even sure if you're going to heaven. Okay, and we have the attitude in our mind. Okay, we got to look at as we come into the season and, and Christ coming, right? Um, we got to see this 
relationship that he wants us to have, right? He's not, he's not setting us, he's not dying on the cross, he's not living this life on this earth, he's not coming as this child to make us slaves to moral law, okay, but he's doing this to set us free. Okay, he wants us to live in this rich relationship with him. Okay, or um, maybe if it helps you think about it, um, you can think about it this way. Um, Christ's work on this earth, right, Christ's work on this earth was to bring a restoration of what we had in the Garden of Eden. Okay, and, and when you think about it that way, it's like, you know, what, what did Adam and Eve have in the Garden of Eden? They had a, a beautiful relationship with God. They could talk with him. They could walk with him. And, you know, they, it was just it was this intimate relationship, okay? And in the fall, all this was broken, right? And Christ comes, right? Not so that we can follow more rules or, you know, be reciprocous, is that a word, towards God, okay? But that we could have relationship with him, okay? So when we're looking at this idea of gift giving, okay, um, we have to really make sure we understand that uh, our, you know, our attitude, not let us get us over here, right? But really, we got to be, like, be in relationship. Like, all these, all this reciprocity gets in the way, okay? All this reciprocity gets in the way. Like, um, uh, again, going back to my story, when I gave that guitar to that person, all of a sudden, there was all this stuff in the way of our relationship, right? It wasn't, like, it wasn't as clear anymore because he felt this burden and, and I felt bad and, like, you know, I felt sad, not bad, right? And, and, and there's all this stuff in the way now. Okay, and, and when we let that happen with God, God gives us this great gift and then we feel like we have to pay him back and we try to do different things and we come to church on Sunday even though it's raining and we, you know, go on retreats even though we don't want to and we, you know, serve because, you know, we're supposed to and we do all this stuff. Okay, that gets in the way of seeing the real relationship and seeing the real love. Okay, it would have been a total different relationship with my friend if he had accepted that gift and just let it enrich the relationship. Okay, and, and again, for us, it's a total different relationship when we just accept God in all his amazing amazement right, and just let him be who he is. Okay, um, it's kind of cool that we're doing communion today because uh, you know, communion is very representative of that ultimate gift that we can never pay back. You know, we can, but all we can do is accept it. Right, you know, so hopefully you can consider that as we're, as we're doing this is just all we can do is accept God's amazing gift. There's nothing that we can do. Right? It's just a, but understand that his love for us is so deep. And he you know, loves us so much. And that's what this is all about. Okay, So um, uh, that's what I want to see in the story. Okay, so if we can pray. If we can pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your son. Um, You didn't have to, I don't know if you didn't have to, but you didn't have to. You could have easily let us just perish. You could have easily let us all go to hell. But for some reason, you loved us so much. And uh, um, you came to this earth. You suffered for us. You lived among us. You died for us. Uh, so that we could have a relationship with you. Um, please uh, teach us what this relationship is. Uh, forgive us for um, always trying to be so reciprocal towards you, trying to pay you back so much. Please help us to uh, just accept um, your son and all that he is. Um, 
with just joy and gladness. Help us to be like these wise men. Help us to be uh, rejoicing joyfully with exceedingly great joy as we accept uh, the gift of your Son. Uh, God, we uh, just thank you so much as we look into the season. Help us to uh, love each other as well in this community, uh, not reciprocally, but just with love and uh, just, just with relationship. And uh, God, uh, um, again, uh, we thank you so much for that love that we'll never understand, uh, but help us to keep chasing after it. Uh, we ask it all in Jesus' name.